Welcome to the official podcast of ToyPhotographers.com, where we talk to photographers from around the globe about turning action figures, Lego, miniatures, and more into fantastic works of art. Hi, everyone. Welcome to another edition of the Toy Photographers podcast, the official podcast of ToyPhotographers.com. This is Oliver Peterson, or Oliver Sees on Instagram, and I'm incredibly excited this week to share my recent conversation with one of the toy world's greatest talents, Mr. Chris Shaler, known to many of you as Empire Toy Works. I did not misspeak when I called Chris one of the toy world's best talents. Um, While he's an absolutely brilliant toy photographer, he's also a toy maker, diorama builder, customizer, and collector of all things 118th scale. Uh, A full-time toy maker and resident of Petersburg, Virginia, Chris mostly photographs his amazing creations in Rotgut Station Spaceport, a massive room-filling world built purely from his imagination and elbow grease. The culmination of years of work, Rotgut Station, and all its related vehicles and denizens have earned Chris more than 18,000 Instagram followers and legions of fans, including many of the companies that donate the toys he lovingly alters and photographs, no strings attached. Imagine being so good toy makers just want their stuff to appear in your creations. That's Chris. Chris has already accomplished so much, but as you'll hear in our conversation, he still has all sorts of exciting things in store for the future. So I hope you'll enjoy our chat as much as I did. Hey man, how are you? I'm great. Thank you for having me. <laughs> Thanks for doing this. I am, I am a, uh, like I was saying to you before, a longtime fan of your work, uh, your photographs, your amazing toys that you create, um, you know, just the whole world that you've managed to um, build is uh, something to behold. And certainly, I mean, I would go to a museum to see it. That's for sure. Uh, Thank it's, you. It's very cool. Um, can you want to maybe we'll just start. Maybe you want to just tell um, the uh, audience a little bit about yourself, a little more than what I just said in the opening there. My name is Chris Shaler. I am uh, 47 years old. And I am a toy maker. I've been collecting since I was little. Um, I was born in 74. So, you know, right there, action figures were immediately in my hand, three and three quarter inch scale right from the start. And uh, and I've been pretty much collecting ever since. It's interesting. Um, you know, we are a toy photography podcast, and that's a huge part of what you do. But first and foremost, you you identify yourself as a toy maker. Yeah, yeah. Um, and and what, how would you describe the toys that you make? Um, I don't – I deliberately uh, do not try to necessarily um, make things that are uh, – I guess pigeonhole them directly into some uh, single universe. No, nothing necessarily Star Wars, Star Trek, G.I. Joe, uh, you know, superhero, anything like that. I try to do things that can kind of blur the lines and 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 sort of allow any of these universes to sort of mingle with with one another. I know a lot of guys specialize in Star Wars. Uh, that's the big hot thing. Um, it, it's it's my passion. I I absolutely love the whole franchise and, and th- what they're doing is amazing with the 3D printing and all that. Um, but I, I I collect so many different things that I didn't want to do something that was only strictly Star Wars. I wanted something that that could um, uh, sort of blanket all toy lines and uh and, and that's kind of what i do with the designs and and um you know the the, the colors the, the the theme the 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 um the, just i guess sort of a net to be able to collect all the things that i've always been passionate about all your 
uh, toys that you make are 375, right? Or, or do you do um, 112 also? Mostly it's all going to be uh, 3.75, um, but I tried to design things that could technically be used within these other scales. So sort of a multi-scale with some of the props and things like that, especially if you have something like cargo crates or droids, those kind of things in, in these worlds can kind of be in different sizes. So that's where I try to make them so that they could work alongside uh, the larger figures, uh, the smaller stuff. Um, anything really. I, I do love that too about your stuff, what you were saying about them um, not sort of identifying as Star Wars or, mm-hmm. or um, you know, whatever, maybe uh, Doctor Who or whatever, because I know you've right. got worlds of different action figures um, populating your uh, rot gut station. Um, so uh, how, did, how did that, how did that start the, uh, the rot gut station? I was, I want to say I was probably maybe, well, hell, hell, I was probably just a kid when I, I had this idea of, of wanting to do a, a, a large city. I, I remember the, one of the first dioramas I had ever made was a, uh, a little shoebox home for my Smurfs. Um, I, I had those and, uh, and I always thought, it, you know, I, I didn't have the, uh, the mushroom houses. I always thought those were so cool when they, uh, they had them in the store shelves, but they were so expensive, but I had tons of the figures. And uh, so I, I figured, you know, well, hell, why not? I'll just make my own little house. And I remember making one of those. And I think it even had it had like a bed and, and um, like a little kitchen. And I think I even used um, like aluminum foil um, for a TV screen that was inside of it. You know, and I, it, it was I was always kind of a crafty kid, uh, uh, always into art and things like that and trying to hand make a lot of stuff. Once I got older, um, got married, uh, kids and all that, you know, I was it, 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 I sort of had that itch to want to always build some sort of a, a immersive city, something that was, um, the roots of it were definitely within Star Wars and Blade Runner, two of my, you know, huge favorites and, and kind of blend them together. And I know, uh, you know, Star Wars, LucasArts, the, the gaming, they were trying to develop the, um, the Star Wars 1313 at one time. And I love that it was the underworld to Coruscant, you know, and you got to see this, this, underworld city this thing that uh, that no light shined down to the bottom of it and it was just the deep underbelly uh, guts of this uh, you know beautiful city planet and you get to see all the scum and the slime that live at the bottom of it and uh all the crime and all that so it, it had this uh, uh dark uh, driving force to it that it jived with you know blade runner um and and i was i always mention this a lot of times that uh even with um, watching the show Deadwood, I picked up on a lot of elements of that where you have this like little self-contained community with good people, bad people, neutral you know parties, and how they can all interact. And I figured, well, why can't I do that with something like Star Wars? I have tons of the toys, all the figures and the vehicles and all that. Why can't I do something where it looks like it's my own creation, my own spaceport, um, but it's something that everybody can kind of visit. Okay, so where, what room of your house is Rockhead Station? It's uh, it, it's technically a bonus room. It's uh, above my garage, which is also my workshop, and uh, so it's it's just it's it's on the second floor of the house. So it's um, it, it's part of the second floor. I've got a movie room, my own um, like theater room that I have bu- built onto it, and so I can kind of come in here as my playroom. And then when I'm you know wanting to get all my ideas, and I just you know watch a ton of movies also. 
So no, there wasn't a big battle with the wife to uh, to procure that room. Then it sounds like maybe it was. Uh... Oh, de- definitely not. I mean, when I first started dating my wife, I've known her since high school. You know, so we were high school sweethearts. And uh, you know, one of the first things I showed her was my toy collection. She she knew what she was getting into from the beginning. That you know, here's this nerdy guy that uh, collects toys. You know, and 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 she's always known it as being part of what I do. So it's it's always been something of of a passion of mine. Yeah, that's 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 nice. It's nice to have um, your family on board. You know, whether it's the wife or the kids. I mean, it's uh, it definitely helps. Um, you know, some of these things are big and uh, take up a lot of room. So having your own space and being able to do that without without uh, butting heads is uh, it's got to be nice for sure. Um, okay. I, I'm. I'm the same way. I have a whole basement uh, under my purview as well. <laughs> so. Oh yeah. yeah. So you now. So you started. Um, you know, we uh, there are a lot of toy photographers. I think that um, there are. Well, I shouldn't say a lot, but I'm hearing more toy photographers say that they weren't really collectors to start, which is always unusual to me because I was a collector and got into toy photography. Um, now you were a collector, and then a toy maker and then got into toy photography. At least that's the way I, I think it's gone in your sort of evolution. Tell me, tell me, um, tell me, uh, about that. Like, how did you, how did the toy photography come into it for you? For me, it was almost out of necessity in a way, because like I said, I'd always been collecting, you know, literally for decades leading up to it. And then I realized, um, I was working for my family's company and we made custom staircases. And we had literally tons of leftover scrap plywood on hand. And I always associated, you know, wooden toys as being sort of like the pioneer type stuff, like hobby horses and little roll along ducks and things like that. But then I realized, you know, there's a lot of guys that are making these amazing dioramas that I'm watching, you know, looking at online. And they're all using what they have, you know, access to, which is usually, you know, foam board or or, uh, insulation foam sheets, uh, cardboard, cardstock, things like that. And I realized I had a background in woodworking. I have literally an unlimited supply of, of material. So here's my chance to kind of blend all these things together to make a, a city um, as, as tall as I want it, as big as I want it to be. And I know it's going to last because I'm going to build it as if it's like furniture. You know, So it's going to be like a, a essentially like the dollhouse that gets passed generation to generation sort of. Um, I didn't want to work on something for years and then have it kind of fall apart or, you know, the, the material gets warped or anything like that. So I just built it as heavy duty as I possibly could. And the and the toy photography then comes in as a way to sort of show off slash advertise your creations. Exactly. That when I uh, when I started, I made Rocket Station um, and I'd always been working on it for years. And it's probably been maybe nine years ago now that I had initially started it. And then I had been taking pictures of it and kind of posting them online. I think on the His Take forum was one of the first forums I had I had posted pictures on there. And uh, I didn't know what people were going to think of it. I figured, you know, everybody was always wanting to see whatever they've seen on screen, either TV screen or, or movie screen. Um, so they might not be able to relate to it. This is something just completely out of my own, you know, gourd. Um, so let me just see what happens. And when I showed pictures, everybody seemed to really, you know, they were digging it. And they were asking me, hey, can you make, you know, buildings, you know, for me, for my collection? 
so then I started realizing that I could make in little individual, you know, one shot buildings um, out of pl this plywood material, this wood material. And I started looking on eBay to see, you know, is anybody else kind of doing this? And there were, you know, a few guys here and there, but they weren't doing it like on a regular basis necessarily. And, uh, and I realized that a lot of guys that were doing the toy photography for, you know, selling the product is basically they just took the item, stuck it on a, a table and then snapped a few shots. And I realized that wasn't really exciting to me to see it like that. I mean, I get it. It's, it's a product. They're trying to sell it. There it is. Um, but I wanted to see it in some sort of dynamic setting, something where you get to see the figures interacting with it, uh, you know, some sort of background, something to kind of put the mind's eye in that, that, um, that you were envisioning, you know, while I was building it. That's what I wanted the, the prospective customer to be able to see. So that's when I started snapping these, these uh, sort of extra shots, you know, for, uh, and, uh, for eBay. And then I realized, you know, this is something that I could do just for fun also. And yeah. then now I'm, I'm doing it like every day. I have a, a daily picture. I usually, you know, uh, well, actually, I, I definitely do it every day um, for Instagram and Facebook. Cool thing. I mean, I don't have any of your um, toys, but I, I've spent many hours probably over the last few years looking at them. Yeah. And, uh, you know, the uh, the wood. Yeah. I mean, you have that. It's nice that they seem very durable. They seem like you can actually play with them. Um, and they're also modular, which is really cool. Like I know you can kind of stack them, put them, you know, you could sort of create like a, a little almost like a city block or, or like a little uh, village area with a street in between a couple buildings, or you could take all those buildings and stack them on top of each other and make like a little skyscraper. Um, uh, so that, I mean, that, uh, that's been an important thing to factor into the, your designs, I assume. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I wanted to get as much play value out of the item that you possibly could, even if it is something that's just going to be meant for the background. I, I, I want my stuff to be sort of, um, literally like an accessory something where you can take your hero figure whoever it might be and you you make them look better by having just these random items these props that are in the background that they can kind of you know interact with either duck behind for a gunfight or they pick them up and toss them or whatever the case may be are you 3d printing any of these sort of greebles on the sides of these buildings or are they also just sort of like um different kinds of plastic and wood pieces yeah when i first started doing all the toys i was initially just doing like buildings and settings and things like that that were all you know structures that were made out of wood and then i wanted to kind of try my hand at uh, molding and casting so I, I saw some guys doing that and um and then i realized that i could hand sculpt a lot of these items just random things the, the greeblies the, the little props the, the crates and barrels and things like that and I could I could sculpt them out of whatever material I wanted to, as long as it's a a a, um, a solid object, you know, I could mold it and cast it. And uh, so then I got you know heavy into the resin casting, and that that's pretty much kind of taken over what I'm doing. I, I do hardly any kind of wood material anymore. Anymore, it's all uh, resin work. Or you might cast the wood, but the the final product would be resin then. Correct. Yeah, I have done yeah. many of those where I'll, I'll sculpt something out of wood, carve it out, or just piece it together, and then um, smooth everything out so you really can't tell that it was originally wood, the, the master model. And then I'll mold it and cast it and then take it from there. But I've, I've used, you named the material, I've used glass, metal, um, uh, you know, bits of plastic, wh whatever it, it might be. And um, 
whatever just makes the shape, it doesn't even matter what color it is. Once you mold it, then you have that that empty pocket to be able to fill in with resin with whatever color, you know, that I want to mix in. Yeah, I mean, it's funny. I have, you know, I make dioramas and various things, um, not to the prolific level you do, but, uh, you know, from time to time. And I have these just bags and bags of plastic pieces, whether it's an orange juice top that looks like a great sort of base for a statue or a drum or something. Or, I mean, I find things in parking lots just plastic pieces that I'm saying, oh, that could be a cool little vent on a wall or, you know, um, there's a lot of stuff. I mean, once you sort of train your mind to sort of see things from a new perspective, it seems there's just there's so many cool things out there to uh, play with. Oh, that's how it always is. My wife and I will go shopping and she'll see me go over to like the kitchen area somewhere. Like it, it could be a dollar store, Walmart, Target or something. And she'll see me pick up something and she could she could tell the look in my eye. She's like, I know you're going to do something with that, you know, and and I'm like, it's a five dollar spatula, but it will, it'll make a, an amazing vent cover, you know, for, for this this part of the spaceport or something. So she <laughs> she she knows and she if she has like leftover bits from makeup containers or um, anything, you know, um broken utensils whatever it might be she'll kind of pass it through me first before she tosses it to see if i can do anything you know with it i love that man my wife's the same way it's so funny same exact way it's like here's this little makeup container a little jar or something that flips open you know it's great um so um with the toy photography um tell me uh sort of i know uh you sort of started doing it for ebay and whatnot but you've clearly developed a very i mean you're you know, not only you're not just showing off your stuff, you've become, uh, you know, an excellent toy photographer. So did you spend a lot of time sort of developing your technique or do you think it just happened naturally over time? I'm guessing it happened naturally because I've never studied photography. Um, I've never taken classes. I, I don't even really know how to use a, 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 a decent digital camera for the most part, it, at least with the settings or things like that. I've had them over the years but I've never done anything really artsy with them. And, uh, and that's why I realized, well, instead of worrying about trying to learn something completely new, let me see what I can do with like my, my cell phone, you know, my, my iPhone. And so I was realizing that I had it, you know, on my hip all the time. Let me see if I can do some decent shots with it and I can play around with the lighting and, and, you know, maybe smoke effects or something to kind of get it a little bit more, uh, cinematic, you know, with that. So, once I started doing it and realizing, okay, th- this is kind of working, then I just kind of stuck with the the uh, iPhone. And you know, if there's any little details that I need to add or or bump up the colors or or downplay something, then I I just do that with the apps or you know just the image editing uh, program. You've got excellent lighting, all that stuff. I mean, you just you also I know put lighting into Rocket Station itself, so a lot of these spaces are actually lit as a real space would be lit, which gives them a nice natural um, Mm -hmm. effect. Um, But, uh, you know, I mean, I'm looking at, for instance, this picture of this, uh, that giant Jurassic Park dinosaur that you've completely customized, um, you know, and sort of have it in the desert. And I assume you hung up like a scrim and put some lights behind there. I mean, these are all techniques one has to kind of figure out or learn from someone or or just yeah well the the dinosaur shot i i i thought about like actually setting up an a a decent studio type thing for some of these what i what i call like the outdoor shots and then i realized in my home i've got this balcony this catwalk balcony it's open on both sides like a little bridge you walk across and 
there's sort of like this pedestal that's maybe about three, three and a half feet off the ground. Um, I don't even know what it was meant for. It's just how the house was designed, but it's a flat surface on top. And then it's surrounded by white walls right there in that corner. So I realized that I could take the items that I have. I usually just take a piece of fabric that I got from, you know, the fabric store. Uh, I throw it over top of that, that wood pedestal. There's enough lighting in that area. I think we have like 17 windows within that area that I could point at. So there's a lot of this natural lighting coming from all these different angles. And I can take these items, stick them on this bit of fabric, throw on a little bit of sand, um, and then, you know, maybe some light pebbles or something like that. And uh, just to give it that more natural outdoor setting. And with the white background, I'm able to take the apps after I've taken the shot, I can take these apps and just apply a sky background to it. And then I just sit there for a few minutes on my, uh, you know, iPhone and I just kind of color in with my finger the, the sky background. <laughs> Um, and then eliminate whatever I need to or use another app to add a sun or a planet, um, anything like that. So I'm never really sure what sky looks best for whatever the colors of what the items are that I'm taking you know, the shot of. So I, I, I think my son has a green screen um, for gaming that he's used before, but uh, I never really got into it. it. To me, if I can't take the shot within like maybe 10 minutes, then I, I just kind of move on to something else. So a lot of these shots, I kind of force myself to just hurry up and do it and see what I can do. Not really racing, but just to try to, because I've got so many of the little things that I'm working on um, with, with making toys and stuff like that. I usually don't have the time to really, really push like uh, doing something that I'm really planning on, you know, for a shot. So I try to pull them off within the first few minutes to see what, what I'm going to do. That is pretty incredible and a little upsetting. <laughs> you get such good results. Um, and, know, I, I, and I don't really try for it. Um, I mean, because I, 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 a lot of times with the subject matter of whatever the shot is going to be for the day, I have no idea sometimes. I don't really pre-plan it out. I, it, sometimes the idea will hit me as I'm walking upstairs because I know I got to take my daily photo, you know. So it's almost like a chore, a daily chore to take it. And I'm not even sure what I'm going to do. And there's been times where I'll just sit on the floor and just look around me and grab whatever figures are within arm's reach and then put together a scene. And what helps is that I've got this city that I built. So it's almost like just it's like walking through New York or something and you just pick a spot around a corner in an alley and just take a shot right there. You know, so it's I don't do like a whole lot of necessarily like a location scouting because I don't really need to, it's, it, it's all right there. I've already done the hard work of building the thing. Um, I just got to find a, a new little corner to kind of come around with a different angle. Well, that, you know, that's, I was actually going to say that before, um, or, or I had in my notes here that, you know, I was going to say that, yeah, th that it is sort of amazing that you do, you have this whole world that you can just kind of, and I know you're constantly adding to it as well, but that you can just kind of drop in on and say, oh, you know, I'm going to, do a picture of this person standing in the streets, or I'm going to have, um, you know, all these Doctor Who robots invade, um, you know, and you have the, the space already made. And, you know, the, the quality of your builds are so good that, um, you know, the pictures already have a lot going for them just to start out with before you've even set up your, your, your pieces inside those, those uh, locations. So it's basically like just, you know, just get the uh, the actors that you have in mind and just tell them to stand up there. We're going to take a class photo and see what happens, you know, and, and hopefully the background kind of jives with the the uh, sort of the ambiance of what you're shooting for, whether it's going to be something kind of dark and gloomy or something a little bit more uh, comedic, wh whatever it might be. 
Did you uh, get that giant crane set? There's like, I, I got one at Toys R Us when they were closing and it was, you know, I think I got it for like 13 bucks and it was this giant toy train crane. Um, and it had all the, I just said, oh, this is so good for dioramas and stuff. And I, it mm-hmm. looks like I recognize some of the pieces from that and some of your, your customs, but I'm not sure hundred percent. Was that on the uh, back of the dinosaur? Yeah, yes, exactly. Yeah, yeah. that's my kids, uh, geo tracks. Um, it's like bright lights, big city or something like that. And, uh, they, I've, I've, we never threw away any of the kids, you know, bo- uh, baby toys or toddler toys. I've, I always pull from them for something. You know, I, I have something in mind to add somewhere. I, I have no idea where it's going to go, but I know like five years from now, that's going to be the specific piece that I need to finish off something. Um, but that, that's what that was from was like I, I, I remembered I wanted to add something to the back of that dinosaur to make it look like it was like some sort of cargo carrying uh like something out of dinotopia mixed with mad max something along those lines and um i i, I took apart the kids uh geotracks uh city playset and then ripped the uh and those things were made rock solid too i mean i really had to kind of crank it out to get it but um yeah I, I tore the crane off and then um and then applied it to the back of the dinosaur and and the 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 funny thing is it's it's got a um the, the the main cargo platform that's on the back of the dinosaur is from the Captain Power uh, uh, Castle Dread something or another playset. It was like a, a, a landing platform for the uh, ships, and um, and I had a bunch of the Captain Power um, uh, playsets and 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 toys uh, in various pieces. I picked them up from you know other kids or from uh, uh, flea markets or something. But I I say you know held on to these things and. If anything was too flimsy, then I can fill it with resin, and then that way it's a nice solid, you know, material. And uh, and then everything just gets, you know, kind of sculpted in and and bolted to the the uh, item at hand, which happened to be that Jurassic Park dinosaur. One thing, you know, I get uh, some ideas uh, sometimes, and I'm like, uh, I don't know if I want to. Like, so you're talking about, for instance, hacking up um, old Captain Power toys, this Jurassic Park dinosaur. In fact, the monstrously expensive and collectible uh, katana barge from HasLab. Yeah. You know, you, you did a beautiful deco on that, you know. Um, do, do you um, ever struggle with, you know, saying, oh, God, I should leave this pure? Or is that not even, a cross, doesn't even cross your mind? You know what I mean? Like, leave it in as, as its original collectible shape. I Like, with the katana, I know... I knew I should feel guilt <laughs> when it when it arrived on the on the on the porch and I opened the door, grabbed the box and I immediately started customizing it. And it was going through my head like a little whisper that why are you doing this? This this is an expensive very rare toy. Why would you be doing this? And then I realized that if I left it alone as it was, so that is screen accurate. It wouldn't fit in with what I wanted it to to fit in with my world. And I knew that probably nobody else was going to be doing this with this prized item, you know. Um, and I, I figured, you know, I'm turning it into something that I would really, really want. And I'm not ruining the katana I- itself, the actual sail barge, you know, that that exists in the Star Wars universe. This is becoming this is like another uh, model that was like a, a gutted out model that was on the dealership lot that was taken over by somebody else, you know? So I'm just, I'm creating another line of that legacy of, of that particular model of, of, you know, that Toyota or whatever it might be. 
um, th th I wanted it to be the rocket station version of this thing. So I, I, I kind of mixed in elements of, of the blimp from, you know, Blade Runner into something like this, made it look like a, a, some sort of, you know, cracked out pleasure barge. And I just wanted it to be something that would be the rocket station version of that. This is the second podcast I've recorded as host, and uh, and um, now you're the second person I'm gonna give my woe is me uh, katana story. <laughs> but I, I just, I still, I'm just, it just pains me that I, you know, that is literally my favorite, uh, sort of some of the, my favorite scenes in all of Star Wars and all the films, and I, and I don't know why. I, I think I just felt like mm, this is very big, and I don't know how this yeah. is going to go, go over with the wife. I don't know. So I didn't get it. And, uh, boy, what a regret I have not getting that thing. So, but, uh, you, I mean, I, I love what you did with it, you know, same with this. So that you have that giant Jurassic park, um, brontosaurus, I guess they don't call them brontosauruses anymore, but, uh, it was you know. the, uh, brachiosaurus. Yes. I think it was what, yeah. Yeah, I, I have I have that guy too, but um, you know what you did with it is just fantastic. So yeah, so so going back to this so, to the customs, that's it's doesn't it's I guess it did cross your mind, but generally speaking, you're 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 not you're not sweating that because I know you customize characters as well, figures. Oh yeah, yeah, all the time. I mean, you know, and I love the one you made of yourself. That's fun. Somebody you said uh, somebody else made the head for you. No, the head actually comes from what, what my personal favorite toy line is, uh, Acid Rain. And Acid Rain, one of the key initial characters in the very beginning of the line was uh, they had an old man, Bob. Yeah. And I I would, and, yeah. So Bob, I, I love the figure. And I, I, ever since I was little, for some reason, I always kind of associated myself with the old man characters of, of TV shows, movies, video games, whatever it might be. Um, I remember, what was it, Virtual Fighter? I think it had the drunken old, you know, Chinese guy that would come out stumbling and he would, you know, whoop ass all through the, the game. Uh, I loved that character. So it was something about the old man characters I absolutely loved. And I loved this Acid Rain Bob. And I realized, like, you know, he's got a white beard. I've got a white beard. What if I took him and I literally shaved all the white hair off and made him bald like me? And uh, and what if I pulled that off and see how it worked? So I, I did it and I used him for, you know, I don't know how many years. And um, and then I realized, like, well, well, my beard has gotten longer. I'm gonna, I need to make his beard a little bit longer. So I've got in there and I actually sculpted, I think with a epoxy sculpt, um, I sculpted the beard a little bit longer to kind of fill it out and uh, and, and just kind of morphed it along, you know, with me so that it would be the the uh, the micro version of me to be able to walk around the city. Uh, that character has his own storyline. You know, I, I'm not necessarily trying to be him. Um, it's just a representation of me that lives on the city and it, it just kind of makes sense. And I think everybody would want a, an action figure of themselves, you know, to be able to do whatever, either blow them up or to, you know, have them be the bad guy, the good guy, whatever it might be. Um, but just to always have that, you know, it's, it just always seemed to be something that uh, everybody that's a toy collector would strive for. Well, hell, even anybody, you know, not a toy collector at all, but I could see that, um, that would get a lot more people into the hobby if they, uh, you know, if, if there was a way to get a, a actual action figure of themselves. Sure. It's like a, a 3D avatar, you know? Um, yeah. yeah. Which is great. Uh, I, I think so, too. And, um, yeah, Acid Rain is uh, is fantastic. It's, it's interesting, actually. I think I almost feel like that I know it's sort of Kitlau um, 
no longer runs it. Um, it was bought. Um, and the new designs are much more sort of, in my estimation, much more sort of cyberpunky. They almost fit more into your world than the originals do in some ways. Oh, yeah, definitely. I mean, it's one of the the first real um, artist-driven toy lines that I came across. And I remember seeing pictures of it leaked out, you know, years ago. And I was like, whoa, there's something different about this line. I'm really, really digging it. And um, so I, I started, you know, buying up as many of them as I could to kind of really populate, you know, the collection that I wanted. And uh, and I started taking pictures. And I, re I still remember the one day when Kit Lau actually liked one of my pictures. And I was like, whoa, this, this is amazing, you know. And then, and then he wrote to me, you know, and, he, and we started conversing. And, 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 you know, for the longest time, he's like, you know, Chris, you, you've got to get together and, and make a, a photo book of what you're doing because I'm, I'm, I love what you're doing. And I was like, this is amazing, you know. And then, like, you know, I, I really didn't feel that that Rotgut was exactly ready for me to get in that line of doing what I would call like the pinnacle of of you know toy photography. Um, to for for me to to immediately start taking the pictures that I really want to take of it. And he was going to help me get it, you know, all printed and and you know have it done in in China and then you know bring it over here. And um and then like COVID kind of happened. And uh, and then that kind of like, you know, you know, slowed everything down. But um, it, it's still on the back burner. I, I know he still wants me to do it. And, and having his support, you know, with it is, it, it, you know, it's 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 amazing. I can't even put it into words that, you know, somebody that was so inspirational is, is telling me how much he loves the stuff. And then the, the cool thing is that Toys Alliance that that, you know, is producing the toys now. They send me like basically care packages of all these new items that are coming out. I would have became a toy maker years ago if I would have known that all these different companies send me free stuff to be able to just do what I want to with it. Um, and, and the great thing about with Toys Alliance is that they they don't they don't tell me you know take photos like this, do this. They they don't give me any rules. They just send me a box with all the cool new stuff that hasn't even hit you know the, the stores yet. And uh, they just tell me do what you do, you know, and you know either it you know completely. Um, take one of their tanks, repaint it, turning it into, you know, uh, an imperial thing. They, they trust me. And, and that's what I, I absolutely love about them. And, um, and, and the thing is that even though they send me free stuff, I'm still dumping probably hundreds of dollars worth of things, you know, of, of, of money on their new items, you know, probably monthly. Um, just because it, I love the toy line. And I, I, I can see the designs of that toy line being able to it's cohesive enough that it can it can be worked in with it pretty much you know gi joe star wars star trek you know these guys could be smugglers uh you know mercenaries whatever you want them to be i, I absolutely love their toy line well i um was going to actually say the same thing to you uh that i think your work your photographs your creations your entire thing the whole story the the behind the scenes all of it um, absolutely would be a wonderful book. I mean, I think of, um, you know, even, I mean, I actually like your stuff a lot better, but, um, you know, even like, um, Mark Hogan camp, you know, Marwin call. Oh yes. Yeah. Right? I mean, there's a guy who I have his book and, you know, it's very, it's very similar. Like, uh, I mean, I could imagine something similar rather, but just sort of this, you know, all these pictures this sort of telling the story. It's, uh, you know, I think, uh, I mean, man, I think you're there. You're ready for sure. I would, uh, I mean, I don't know. I, I don't think you need to question that for a minute. I think 
I think that, um, you know, uh, this is something I've talked about before, um, and it's something that I think is kind of um, a big thing that I talk about or think about a lot with toy photography is transcending pop culture recreations into a, the world of original art or fine art or mm-hmm. something that's not just, which is fine too, because, you know, everybody can enjoy this hobby the way they want to. Uh, but there's something to me very special about uh, when it's not just kind of, look, it's uh, Superman punching dark side or whatever. You know what I mean? It's just right. something original. And uh, yeah, that's nice for you that uh, Toys Toy Alliance does that because those toys are not cheap. So yeah, it's, uh, that's, that's excellent. Um, yeah, that's, that's, and, and well, and, and, you know, they should, they should want, because, you know, listen, you're, I'm sure your pictures sell a lot of stuff, you know, there's a, there's a lot of things I'm sure people see on there and say, I got to get that. I, oh, I, I hope so. I hope so. And I hope they continue on. Cause I mean, I, I've just been uh, totally, completely in love with their, their, their toys from the beginning. Um, I, I, when I see new uh, pictures of their new items coming out, I, I automatically start thinking, oh, I, you know, I'm definitely going to use these guys for this little uh, splinter group of, of, you know, mercenaries or whatever it might be, smugglers. Um, it, it, the ideas just kind of flood over, you know, for, for me anyway, with what I'm going to eventually, you know, use with them. And that's, and that's one thing, too, that I guess a lot of guys that I notice with, with toy photography and, and even toy collectors, um, the guys that will, they, they like Star Wars, and I Believe me, I totally understand that. And the, the thing is that I, I guess they kind of they kind of lock themselves in in a, in a closed off hallway with a lot of stuff, where they only get what is being produced by Hasbro to be able to recreate only what they've seen on screen, and they have a hard time thinking outside those lines and, and imagining what's going on on the next street over in Tatooine. Not not what we're doing, what we see over here with Luke, you know, walking down this this corridor. What's going on on the other side of, of Moss Eisley? What's going on on this other planet in the next system over? And, you know, the way I see it is that as fans of whatever franchise that you, you know, are a fan of, um, with us being able to, I guess, we're the ones that are, are ingesting whatever's on, on the screen, you know, and it, this, all these different, you know, Marvel, DC, um, Star Wars, Star Trek, whatever it might be. All of that exists within our reality. We we know of all of it. So why can't we take all of it as fans and merge it all together so that these are the things that we like? Um, and instead of just only you know allowing Star Wars to be in, in the toy room, you know, kind of a thing. And it's it's one thing to have things on shelves and display them, but to actually have an environment that they all kind of live within. You know, it, it of course it's not canon. But um, but it, to me, it seems kind of boring if you're only playing with what you're watching on screen. There has to be a thousand other millions of other adventures that you could be having that they're not canon. They're they're your adventures. You know, they're what you're creating. And that's what yeah. makes it more fun for me. Absolutely. Um, and, you know, I'm like you. I, I collect a lot of different lines of toys. I mean, I, you know, I buy. I've n- I don't I've never I've played Fortnite I think now with my nephew a couple of times um, but I don't know anything about Fortnite but I buy a lot of those figures because I think they're really fun you know um, oh, they're great yeah uh, and I mean I buy but I'm you know even worse than you is that I'm also I collect multiple different scales too which is 
<laughs> but um, you know, it's it's uh, you know, um, so I'm shooting all different kinds of stuff. Um, but I do think you know, I come from a the fine art world. I used to be um, I used to do painting before I got into toy photography, and I showed in some galleries and stuff. And you know, one of those things that sort of to get yourself established. You had to kind of stick to one style. You know, if you deviated your style too much, you don't have an identity and um, it becomes harder to get recognized. Uh, now, your work clearly has one style that you have a lot of different toy lines and things. But I wonder if maybe the people who are sort of stuck in the one toy line kind of thing or the recreating Star Wars, whatever it is, uh, you know, I wonder if part of that is... Um, that kind of sticking to a style. Um, there's also the, um, I mean, listen, I've known people who were amazing draftsmen who could draw anything realistically, but when it came to expressionist work, they couldn't do it, you know? Right, yeah. Cause, and, and that's what I, I try to tell a lot of people is kind of freestyle it. it it's okay. And I, can under, I totally understand because you're delving into a realm that it doesn't necessarily make any sense, you know? It, it doesn't. Star Wars couldn't technically jive with Star Trek, but if you really, if you really sort of use your imagination, th there's loopholes that you can kind of find, and that that's one thing. Like with movies, with the Easter eggs that you see in movies, I like that the guys that were bored on set, the the effects guys and and the prop guys, like on Firefly, the little hidden Han and Carbonites that they have almost in every episode, they're hidden on a shelf somewhere, and that leads you to believe, like, well, of course, it's just a little Easter egg that they put in there. But at the same time, could, you know, could you kind of fit Star Wars in that? I know there's a Star Wars ship that I think is on the first episode or second episode of, of Firefly, and, and you see it in the background. They deliberately put it in there. And, you know, these are like these little, I, I guess these are little, like, windows that are o open in those closed-off universes that kind of allow little things to slip in. So that you could kind of have a mishmash of this kind of stuff, and and that's why I did, you know, with with Rocket Station, I did not want to to only be strictly Star Wars. I wanted you to have Vulcans, you know, and, and Klingons walking around, and and Xenomorphs, and and you know, imagine you know Spock trying to fight a Xenomorph invasion, you know, or, or something along those lines. We've all seen what they showed on TV, and I, I get the legal. Um, the, the, the sort of the legal ramble, you know, uh, wrangling that they have to deal with, with you can't mention Doctor Who on Star Trek because of this, this and this, and it's going to sure. cost us this much. But as fans, you're free to do whatever you want. You know, th this is your imagination. Just go have fun with it. Absolutely. And, you know, that's sometimes the fun of of a line like Acid Rain or, um, you know, um, one line that really got my I haven't shot them much, but that really got my imagination going were these. um God, the, they're like adventure man, uh, action, uh, Captain Action or something. They were, uh, they have like magnetic feet. Um, they're little, I'm sure you have them. Um, uh, Zika toys, they make them, you know what I'm talking yeah. about? Yeah. Like those guys, they sort of this old school sci-fi, like 60s sci-fi kind of look like, you know, I, very almost Star Trek. You kind of, you know, I wanted to sort of shoot them on these sort of like, almost like, put them on a planet, but make it look like a cheap TV set. That's sort of the feel I got from them, these guys. I, and that's so fun, you know, that there's no real, I think they actually do have some canon attached to them, but I don't know it personally. So there's something really fun about just letting, you know, the look of something, get your imagination going and, and playing with that. Um, 
No, and, no. And, and, I, and I battled it even as a kid. I remember playing with action figures, and I remember kids would be like, they would, they would bring out this big box, and they would like, okay, we're going to play G.I. Joe's. And then it would come time, they would push it away and go, okay, now we're going to play Star Wars. And I'm like, dude, why don't we just like team up the, the <laughs> Cobra and Stormtroopers and, and you know, work something out. And we could have the X-Men, you know, join up with the Rebel Alliance. And, and you know, why not we do something like that? And no, 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 can't do that. Why not? And it, it, it's cool. It's it, Here they are. Let's do something, you know. I was still playing with toys in high school. Uh, I mean, I have played them my whole life. Um, and I, my best friend I met um, over a comic book in high school, and then we sort of slowly revealed that we both played with toys. And eventually we used to have these things called annual battles, and we just had stacks of all different figures with Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, G.I. Joes, whatever. And everybody would fight everybody, and we'd, like, flip the figures to see who won. It was, I just, we had so much fun, just silly but so much fun you know and here i am a ninth grader doing that i think but uh well here here i am a 47 year old man and i'm still doing it too (laughs) no i mean believe me i guys that tell me they don't play with their toys i'm like okay whatever and uh, you know and i get guys i get guys that contact me all the time hey could you build me this for my son and then they'll tell me but it has to have this and a medical bay and this and this and this and i'm like dude it's for you just say it it's it's cool believe me i i play with them too it's that's what they're for you know that's otherwise we're just putting trinkets on a wall you know it, it's that's not fun to me it, it open these things up play with them see what they can do they might be great they might be crap you know it, you don't you never know unless you open them up and really see the artistry that and, and the engineering that goes into these things of all people, I would be surprised they would be afraid to tell you that. But um, I, I let, let me ask you, um, you collect a ton of lines and brands. Um, and obviously, some of these companies are sending you stuff. So you have that. But um, what what is it that uh, how do you what sort of turns you on? How do you choose on what you what you buy? You know, honestly, I, I really don't know. It, it's, it's whatever comes out. It doesn't even matter what line or what the articulation is. I'll see something um, that just pops up and it might look like the most boring figure in the world, you know, uh, like an old lady figure, you know, and what are you going to do with that? But something clicks with me and I'm like, I got some ideas for her, you know, that this could be the, the MacGuffin of an adventure that could be used, you know, for a photo where either somebody's protecting her, maybe she's the head terrorist, you know, that would be a spin, you know, something along the lines where. Like that's why I love like the uh, the, the the reaction figures, uh, Super Seven, and you know all those. Um, that line it, they delve into so many of these different you know, especially '80s uh, franchises that um, we would have never seen figures of you know before. And, and yeah, the articulation isn't you know like, super articulated, but I mean, huh, hell if that's I, understatement. That's like, that true, <laughs> but but so many times I've taken pictures of them, and people will say. Dude, I had no idea they made Golden Girls figures, and, and and it becomes like the hottest picture for the week or the month or whatever. That everybody's scrambling to get these Golden Girls figures, and it, and the jokes on them because then they find out that these things are you know like three hundred five hundred dollars, you know. And I remember buying it on Target.com when they went live for like twenty bucks, you know. And it's just you. I tell so many collectors like stop only going to Walmart, stop only going to Target, get on these groups. And get in these other, you know, um, find these other independent toy companies, see what they're doing. Because, you know, if you if you're if you piss and moan about whatever Hasbro's doing, then, you know, 
I love Hasbro, but at the same time, you might want to look over here also because you can kind of get rid of a little bit of that frustration by picking up like Joy Toy or Acid Rain or or the Sectors figures or something along those lines. There, there's a lot of these figures that you know they don't get the recognition that they really should, and I, I try to do my best to open up people's minds to to realize like, hey, yeah, they did make these figures. Check them out. Yeah, no, the um, yeah, the sectors are actually made by Zika Toys as well. Um, right. I've been meaning to get some of those. Um, but yeah, I mean, as you were saying that before you even mentioned Super Seven, I was thinking of the um, uh, Laurie. Str- I bought this Laurie Strode Halloween figure, and it's <laughs> just because, again, like you say, there's something. I think a lot of toy photographers and even just toy fans in general, there's something we all love about the civilian or the you know. So Laurie Strode, the figure is her in a. I don't know, like a nightgown, I guess. And she's just sort of got a little blood on her. And it's just sort of like this random woman in a nightgown screaming. And it's great. You know, it's just like so much fun you can have with that. And I'm honestly, I'm a total fanatic when it comes to civilian figures, because they're they're the ones that to me that give the the hero a reason to do what he's going to do. Otherwise, he's just fighting just to fight you know there has to be a reason that he's saving this village or town or city whatever whatever it might be there has to be a reason you know that these are these passengers that are going to be saved on this you know transport to me um civilian figures are one of the things that have always been overlooked um with toy lines and i remember um when I really was like hardcore collecting, you know, I, I, you know, had a job, you know, like, uh, you know, maybe like the early nineties thereabouts really kind of getting out off on my own. Um, and, and, and noticing these figure lines that, especially in the nineties, you know, 3.75 was kind of dying off by that time. And, uh, and you had to really kind of look around for, for new stuff to collect. And, uh, and I noticed that the, the female figures were always going to be the ones that were the rare or short pack right um, any any kind of black figure any kind of black character i always pick them up i love those um anybody to kind of give a little bit of of a of a mixture to the to the the blend of whatever the collection was going to be and uh and i always tried my best to to get the female figures um I- I- any of the figures that seem like the boring ones like the the fat guys the old people any of those that always kids didn't want those, you know, they, they, they wanted the hero guy and the bad guy and then the army builders. And I totally get that. But at the same time, look at these other guys. These are the reason why the hero needs to be the hero. Yeah. There's, there are not enough um, fat guy figures in 3.75 inch, but it's such a, I think it's such a wonderful um, scale. You know, uh, I, um, you know, there was a, um, a toy photography feature page called um, 118th toy love, uh, that everyone was, they were featuring a lot of the scale, you know, shots in the scale, Star Wars, all that stuff. Um, and they kind of just, I guess, stopped doing it. So that's when I started uh, 118AF, which is a, a feature page, news, all that kind of stuff for the scale. Um, I featured a few of your photos on there before. Um, but uh, yeah, I think, I mean, and the people who are into that scale are very dedicated to it, you know, which mm-hmm. is really cool. I mean, I'm, all over the place. I like everything, but uh, speaking of other 118th scale toy photographers, and um, you know, I've seen um, your work. Your um, you share a lot of tips. You've um, you, you're very sort of transparent about all the things you do, and um, you've definitely I've seen you've definitely inspired a lot of people to create 
um, remarkably similar creations. Does that um, bother you, or does it? Do you like it? Um, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like when you see stuff that's sort of inspired, definitely inspired by what you're doing. No, I, I love it. I absolutely love it. I mean, there's guys that I think they've they've struggled to try to here again going back to kind of pigeonholing um, the, the the collector community or the or the artistry. You know, with these guys that are they're creative. But at the same time, they 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 spend months trying to replicate the textures of Tatooine buildings or the the gloss effect on the Death Star, you know, corridors or something, and giving them the ability to don't worry about that. It, take that the skill level that you already have and try to build a slum, you know, try to build a refugee camp or some something along those lines that you could still have a, these great adventures. Um, but it might be geared more along the aesthetic of that what you're used to. So if you like things gritty and grimy, or if you, you have a hard time keeping a diorama like super you know squeaky clean, this is the avenue you want to take. You know, especially like a, like a horror scene setting or something, or a haunted house, something along those lines, a, a murder scene or something. You know, it's okay to get dirty and grimy with it. You don't have to keep it squeaky clean with it. And um, and, and I love it seeing guys that are taking the leap to you know do things that are kind of in the same vein as me and and with me I, I see them as just kind of um essentially building up the world that kind of rocket station lives in you know that it, it all these there's uh, millions of other planets out there that they you know fictional planets out there that that these guys can create for themselves and it could be all part of like the rocket station you know travel roster or something that essentially they could um creatively, you know, have transports coming and going from all these different, uh, you know, collectors' uh, homes, essentially. Oh, I love that, man. I love, you know, you're such a sort of very magnanimous, and um, I think everybody, and some maybe you don't, you know, but everybody struggles in some way or form about competitiveness or this or that. But, um, you know, again, you're sort of at the top of your game, which I'm sure helps, but it's um, there's you know it's something uh, really special that you feel good about other people building off of you know that what you just said. I mean it's um, that that idea that somebody uh, you know that you don't feel um, such ownership of it that you wouldn't want anyone to um, sort of dirty your world with their ideas. You know what I mean? No, not at all. I mean I I want them to to do it. The way I see it, if I spark somebody to get off their ass to actually make something. That's a great feeling, you know, because otherwise they're just going to Walmart, buying a figure, bringing it home, sticking it on the shelf. There it sits. That's great and all, but, and that's the, essentially that is collecting. But at the same time, if they create something that did not exist before, um, then that's a great feeling that somebody has been sparked to do something, you know, and even if they're not doing it for a business, but they're just doing it for the love of whatever, you know, line that they have. Um, uh, to me, that's that's what's keeping the the fandom alive is is keep doing that, you know, and and that and that's why with like, you know, here again, like re recreating the Star Wars stuff, um, you know, th th there's so many scenes that you see kind of pumped out and churned again and again and again that when somebody creates a new environment, a new planet, new location, setting, or whatever, um, th that to me, and you and you take that character that you've already you recognize, you know, that that childhood character of Luke or Leia, and you put them on this new setting, to me, that opens up the world for them even more so. And that's what keeps them alive is that they, they're still on the adventure. 
there's just, I mean, there's, and there's just so many different ways you can take it, which is uh, so much fun. Um, do you, uh, do you, so you, um, you uh, make a living off of your toy business? Is that? Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. it. I, I, I um, it's, pr- it, hell, this is probably going on maybe five years now, I think. Yeah. But about five years almost um, of, of me doing this solely as a, as a at home business on my own. Yeah. But I mean, are you, are you sort of retired and doing it or are you really making a living off of it? I mean, not that it matters really, I guess, but oh, just, uh, well, pretty much both. I mean, I, I kind of say I'm retired, but I mean, yeah, I still I make a living off of this. Yeah. What was it like, um, sort of starting that, that business? I mean, was that, uh, did you, I mean, were you already sort of at home at that point or did you say, you know what, screw it. I'm going to stop doing this and i'm going to just focus on making toys no i mean i had the my, my dad wanted to retire um like i said we had the family business of doing stairs it was extremely successful um and i had you know helped them out with uh, you know all through i don't, I don't know maybe 20 years or so um so i was with them for you know a long time and you know i had the opportunity that if i wanted to i could take over that family business um and and would have made a ton of money doing it but at the same time i was completely burnt out of like the construction industry and i knew that if i didn't take the leap to do what i really really truly wanted that one day i would be too old to be able to do it when i had the opportunity so I uh, I figured I was just gonna go ahead and do it now and and do what I really wanted to do whether I whether I made money at it or not you know at least I gave it a shot and um, I, I knew I would have always regretted it if I did not just sit down and just start you know making toys full time. Well, the world is a better place for it. <clears throat> I firmly believe that. I think you are um, truly an inspiration. Um, it's you know your stuff's just a marvel to look at. I just you know and I and I know I'm not alone in thinking that you wouldn't have eighteen thousand followers you know um, and uh, I really I I I really hope you do go ahead and make that book because uh, I know um, I'll be first in line to pick it up. Um, oh, I did want to mention actually just uh, speaking of people who create their own worlds is like a guy like Cantina Scum, you know he's another guy who's oh. kind of. He sort of dropped off the face of the earth. I was very sad about it because he's doing, you know him? Oh, absolutely. I love him. Yeah. He's, yeah. uh, he, he's sent me figures before that, that live on the station. So, I mean, I've, a lot of these uh, extremely talented guys, you know, they, they will specialize in, you know, usually custom action figures, but also sometimes dioramas, but they will send me, you know, characters that they created to give me so that these characters can live on, on Rocket Station. So I, I love the fact that, you know, the community is kind of populating this environment that's in my home, but it's, uh, I, I share it with the world so that, you know, that they can live on. So do you have a favorite uh, sort of custom or vehicle or section of Rocket Station? Is there anything that stands out in your mind? Um, I guess my favorite vehicle is the RV that I made that was sort of a, uh, a mix between the uh, Razor Crest and the uh, Eagle 5 from uh, Spaceballs. Oh yeah, and uh, it's called the uh, the Jive Turkey is the uh, name <laughs> of the of the vehicle. But I I always love the idea of where you have a um, a spaceship that's that's a contained environment like a playset, but it also doubles as a you know as as a vehicle also. But it's not so overly big that you can't pick it up and like a little kid walk around the room with it doing flybys or whatever. So um, that was that's probably my uh, utmost you know favorite uh, custom that I've ever made as far as a vehicle goes, and then with Rockgut, um, I, I mean it's like a city, so it's like you know it just depends on whatever mood I'm in. 
um, the bar. I absolutely loved the bar when I made that. And, um, and I guess it, th there's always going to be a new favorite depending on whatever mood, um, like whatever the, the shot is I'm going to be for the day. I'll remember like, oh, oh, yeah, I've got a jail cell over here. I can do this shot. Uh, you know, uh, the, these different alleyways and, and things of that nature. It's um, it, it's something where you just like the whole thing as, a, you know, the, the, the whole construction as it is. Yeah, absolutely. Um, uh, you inspire a lot of people. Uh, who inspires you? Probably my favorite artist of all time. And I've mentioned this in one of my YouTube videos was Wayne Barlow. And uh, I love his um, extraterrestrial, you know, got his guide to extraterrestrials, his book. When I was oh. little, I, I used to, uh, I had this book. I, um, I, I used to check it out from the library. I had it, I took it to school. Like it, this is like, you know, elementary school. And I had it with me all the time. I got it from this uh, local library. And, um, and I remembered, uh, in, I mentioned this in my videos that uh, kids I noticed were starting to pick up a lot of the uh, sci-fi art books and they were drawing, you know, all kinds of things on, on the pictures. And, and I realized that if they got a hold of this book, they were going to ruin it. So I remembered I, um, I checked it out uh, permanently from the uh, from the library to rescue it, and uh, and it, it is my childhood copy that I took on you know the school bus when I was little. But his alien designs, even though that's pretty much what he's known for, is that these biological you know these creatures. Um, it, th there's something about it where you can take these designs and apply the same sort of design aesthetic into structures or vehicles, and. Um, and he, he's probably my my child absolute childhood favorite of uh of, of artist of all time. But I mean, just any of these guys that have done stuff that you've seen on like 1970s and 1980s, you know, sci-fi art books. Sometimes the covers, the cover art has nothing to do with the story itself, but mm -hmm. it's just something that you could just look at for hours on end. And I have tons of these books, these coffee table art books of all of these, you know, what I call classic artists, sci-fi artists. And uh, and they were hugely inspiring, you know, for me. That Barlow book, um, you know, you've, you're about four years older than I am, but uh, I very fondly remember that Barlow book. And yeah. and I remember also you put on your um, Instagram the, you know, the Gnomes book, you know, all that sort of in that yes. same very nostalgic. Like I have really just such warm, nostalgic feelings about those books. Um, so I, I hear you. I hear you. Um, and, and the thing about those is that when you you look at them, they have nothing to do with Star Wars or any of that. But if you look at the drawing, the, the, the designs of it, you could easily apply a lot of these more like woodland, you know, homestead designs that are within it to something along the lines of, of like an Ewok, you know, village or, or Dagobah or something along those lines. So, you know, I think people only in many cases, if they want ideas for Star Wars, they only look at Star Wars books. But I, I try my best to get ideas from virtually anything and then just kind of put it through a Star Wars filter um, to create whatever I'm going to do. And as far as uh, your work, I know you um, you make a lot of stuff and you kind of make editions of them and put them up. Um, uh, now, do you do custom work? Uh, the reason I ask, you did um, some beautiful Hescos for my buddy um, and wonderful photographer, um, Billy Kessler, uh, a.k.a. his name is Eddie, but uh, Eddie American. But uh, it, it um were those custom for him or did you know that set you made him that sort of military uh, base? I, I had had them as a product that I was um, I had sold on eBay and uh, and I usually kind of keep things under wraps. If I get an idea 
a lot of times I'll, I'll get messages throughout the day, throughout the night, and I won't even, my mind is completely focused in on whatever new thing I'm coming up with. And I have no idea what it's going to be next. Um, so that, that was something that I was like, you know what, I really, really would like to make something a little bit more real world. And I know there's a lot of like GI Joe guys that want to collect these kind of things. So let me see if I can create something like this. And I don't use a 3D printer. I've, I've actually never even touched a 3D printer before. So I hand sculpt a lot of this stuff, you know, from scratch or, or, or kit bash it or whatever um, to make the final product. And uh, so that was one thing I, I worked on to make. So I have the molds for them. And then every once in a while, you know, once they, they if an item sells out completely on eBay, then a lot of times guys that missed out or they want additionals, you know, for their collection, then they'll contact me and say, hey, you know, I'd like to get, you know, 10, 20, 30 of these, you know, containers. Can you do that for me? And, and then I'll, you know, try to, you know, fit it in to be able to knock them out. There you go, listeners. If you see something you love, it might not necessarily uh, be impossible to get. Um, yeah, I have to say, I have had a fantasy of making um, 118th scale HESCOs for quite some time. I even have the um, the way I was going to build them, though. It's it's such a it's such a laborious process. But I was I actually have the wire mesh, you know, for like a rabbit hutch type of thing, but it's small. And yes. I was actually going to really try to make HESCOs, like make a cube of this wire mesh with the paper inside and then fill it with dirt uh and then i thought oh and then i could cast them but i've had i actually was thinking about doing it as like a release for the 118 118 af or something but uh anyway right so it was uh anyway it was really fun to see that you had done it because uh i think it was probably a much more practical way to do it that you did <laughs> um, yeah i try to keep it e as easy as possible and if i can make it so that it it kind of doubled as an actual container that you could store things in especially if i made smaller hesco that you could stick that those smaller hesco cubes inside of the larger ones then it kind of made it all the better that you didn't have a bunch of you know uh, loose pieces all over the place and uh, and, it, and I'm sure it was from me watching, you know, some, you know, re, uh, modern day war movie uh, like The Outpost or something like that, that, you know, uh, it, it, it just gave me the idea that, you know, I, I think I could probably do these. That was a great book, by the way, written by um, Jake Tapper. Um, yeah. All right. Well, you know, as I started to say before, um, you know, you I just it's, I'm so glad that we've gotten to talk and that, you know, you have your personality and your um, attitude has lived up to uh, what I hoped, given how much I love your work and um, everything that you're doing. Um, Thank you so much. Yeah, the customs, the the toys, the photography, um, your videos are a lot of fun to watch. Um, and, you know, so anybody listening out there, I mean, I can't imagine you'd hear all this and not take a deep dive into um, into Chris's work at this point, if you haven't already, although I can't imagine you haven't. But um, you know, uh, tell people um, tell people where they can uh, where they can find you um, in various places. You can find me uh, as Empire Toy Works on Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube, and uh, eBay. Awesome. Listen, um, we are definitely gonna have to talk uh, after this. I'm well, definitely gonna I want to see about maybe getting some of those Hescos for myself. Um, but sure. uh, um, in the meantime, I I just I. I, again, sincerely hope that you move forward on that book. I mean, God, I think you could, there's some, I think the sky's the limit for you, man. I, I'd love to see a documentary about you. I could, I think you could do it all. Um, and, uh, you know, it's just, it's been a pleasure and I, I really appreciate your, your time. Oh, thank you so much for having me.
Thank you so much for listening. If you want more episodes or articles about toy photography, visit us at toyphotographers.com. The best way to connect with us on social media is on MeWe. Search for toyphotographers.com or find the link in the show notes. If MeWe's not your thing, visit us at Facebook, Toy Photographers, or on Twitter, at Toy Photo Blog, or on Instagram, at underscore Toy Photographers underscore. Thanks again for listening. Five rapid-fire questions. Um, the last great film you watched? My all-time, one of my all-time favorite movies is uh, Star Raiders. No, Space, what was it, Space Raiders? That shows you how, how good it is. Um, <laughs> yeah, I like that one. I like Star Chaser also, though. Rate the Star Wars films in order, best to worst. That's a hard one for me because A New Hope is my absolute favorite, but I honestly, in my mind, I don't even rank all the other. I love all of it, um, even the holiday special. <laughs> I know, but it's, it's, I love it. So, um, yeah, I'd have to go absolute favorite, um, A New Hope, but all the rest of them are just in one big chunk in my head. Excellent, excellent cop out on that one. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, oh god i did the the ewok special that ewok thing is on um disney plus now i was watching it. boy is yes. that bad it's terrible um yeah, but but you the, know the, the 10 minute animated boba fett from the holiday specials on there also so yes it's it's really good though it's amazing indeed and the and the uh you know as bad as the ewok thing is it's also amazing um okay uh i don't know if you're a comic guy but uh marvel or dc uh marvel the uh last book you read or just your favorite book uh favorite book is probably the gunslinger from the dark tower series by stephen king um your grail toy twicky from uh buck rogers probably i just saw that in one of your pictures that i i have such yeah. fun met i love that toy when i was a kid and it's pretty yeah. well articulated too for such a yeah he's pretty good he's one of my favorites you know it's funny too i noticed the um I notice you use the um, Macquarie, um, the Macquarie uh, R2D2 a lot, which I, I love that yeah. figure too. Um, I, I, I and and I, I love the uh, Macquarie C3PO. I, I do kind of regret that I didn't get the Metropolis figure. That kind of reminds me of that. But uh, the the cool thing about that R2D2 is the pictures I've taken of it. The guy that designed that toy wrote to me and told me how much he loved seeing it in my pictures. Uh, <laughs> so that's that, awesome. So that, so that blew my mind also. That's awesome. This I, I, I have a, uh, this is going to sort of, I already know the answer because I know what you're using, but favorite lens. <laughs> uh, whatever's on my iPhone. Um, you, you, unique piece of equipment or accessory in your uh, photography gear, whether it's a light. I know you're using your iPhone. So is there any kind of special lights or anything you use? I'll use a, uh, a jewel to um, like an e-cigarette um, for, for smoke effects a lot of times or just to put a, 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 a just a minimal like background haze there's a um actually on our website the toy photo toy photographers.com i'll send you the link there's an article that um dave de maker just wrote about this um miniature smoke machine that yeah know, i've heard looks, about that looks really cool um i i use atmosphere aerosol but i would like to get something that's um reusable you know um yeah okay uh three toy photographers you admire I love looking at uh, lights, camera tentacles. Excellent. On on Instagram, uh, Diorama Punk. He's got an amazing spaceport that he's built. 
Uh, I love seeing his shots. And then, of course, um, Acid Rain World, which is Kit Lau's page. Um, even though a lot of the pictures he takes are just right there on his work desk, that's what makes them even more magical for me is, is like the figures actually doing something right there in front of them. Toy you still have from childhood? All of them. <laughs> and finally, your favorite Star Wars ship? Uh, the Millennium Falcon. Yeah. Awesome, man. Well, listen, uh, I'm super grateful uh, for your time, and I really am um, glad we got to talk. Thank you so much. It was so much fun. Be sure to check out Chris's toys for sale under Empire Toy Works on eBay, and of course his photographs and videos uh, using the same handle on Instagram and YouTube. And once again, you can find me, Oliver Sees, on Instagram and at 118AF, a 118th scale photography feature page I run on Instagram. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time on the Toy Photographer's Podcast.